A lot of us aspire to be a leader in the design industry, in, in our design world, our career that we have as designers. And though we may not be there right now, there's still a lot to learn. And this is kind of that point to learn before you get into that leadership role. And so these are some things that I picked up on from some of the great leaders that I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of Design Chat with Josh. I'm your host, Josh Reach, as always. And in this design podcast, uh, we, I'm going to talk about leadership. And I know this is going to be weird, and some people that know me are going to be like, what? You're not, you've never led a team. I'm like, no, no, not yet, okay? And as I said, you know, a lot of us aspire to be leaders someday. You know, some of us aren't satisfied with just being designers the rest of our lives. Some of us are. Some of us just want to create, and they want to be makers, and that's amazing. Uh, I'm one of those people that doesn't always want to do that. And so someday, uh, you know, I aspire to be a design leader. And just because I'm not there yet or I haven't had that opportunity yet doesn't mean that I haven't picked up on things. And this podcast episode is really going to be, I really want this one to be more of a discussion. I'm going to share some tips and, and some kind of mantras and, and lessons that I've learned from some of the great leaders that I've worked with. And I'm only going to focus on the great ones, I'm only, you know, which fortunately has been like almost all of them. So, uh, but you know, I, I, I want to focus on the things from the good things that I've learned from some of my really great leadership over the years that, that I've, I've had the pleasure of working with. And these are things that have really stuck with me and have kind of become my principles as I hopefully someday gear up to be in that position. Now, having just switched my careers from visual design to product design <laughs> a little over a year ago, obviously I kind of went probably back a little bit uh, in terms of, of leadership and, and getting to that point. <laughs> but uh, still, I still aspire to get to that. And so I know a lot of you listening might have that same aspiration. You may even be very close to being a leader uh, in, in the design world someday, or maybe you're already doing it and you just maybe don't have that official title uh, that, that comes with it. I've, I've seen that happen before with people. Um, but anyway, so these are just some things that I've picked up on over, over the years and some things that I've lived by and that I've kind of held close and that I, I feel as though I'll carry on to be kind of principles that I follow as a leader someday. Um, and I want this after I share, I, I would love to hear kind of lessons and things that you've learned, whether you are a design leader or not, some things that, that you've learned and picked up on and that you will swear by or do swear by as a, a design leader so that this can kind of be this ever-going library and I, and I would love for you all to send in uh, voice messages at the end of this uh, episode. If you go to anchor.fm slash Joshua Reach, you'll be able to send a little voice message um, and I can feature it in a future episode and then do a follow-up episode uh, of this episode. Um, again, you don't have to be a design leader for this. This could be anybody, you know, whether you're aspiring to be one or, you know, I mean, we've all worked with leadership, right? We've all had great examples or bad examples of leadership. And, and I, let's really focus on the good ones <laughs> to start with. Um, but what, what have been some things? Everybody has something to contribute to this, okay? Because nobody, even if you work alone and you're freelance, then you're your own boss. So how do you lead yourself? How do you lead uh, you know, the design with clients? You know, you're, you're still, you are a leader, whether you know it or not, if you're kind of a one-man show or one-woman show. Um, but anyway, uh, these are some things, though, that, that I picked up on. Um, and, and one of them that I've, I've, I learned from uh, 
one of my, my previous leaders, and, and really this is something that there's actually multiple people who were leaders in my career that, that taught me this principle, that taught me this thing, this guideline of uh, aspiring for your team to succeed beyond you and beyond your own role. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, basically, as, as one, one uh, director put it to me, if, if you surpass me and what I'm doing and, and my position, then I know I did my job right. Because they helped grow and groom you and get you to that point where you can succeed and, and, and surpass them. And that's something that has really, really stuck with me. And I've always had the most respect for my leadership that has told me that, which fortunately has been almost all of them. <laughs> but like, seriously, and, and they live by that. I, you know, some of these people that I've, I've worked with, they, they truly do believe that. And they, they truly have put their team and their team's professional growth before their own professional growth. Not forgetting that they too have aspirations and goals too, you know, um, there's, there's no, you don't, you don't want to completely and totally abandon your own goals, I feel like, as a leader. You know, you should still continue to grow and everything. But if by chance you have this rock star on your team that wants to succeed and grow past you uh, and ends up, you know, just just going the fast track up because they're that good, then that's that's great. Like, that's that's something that you want to... Uh, to, to me, like, if, if I have somebody on my team that ends up surpassing me, then... Like, I feel like I did something right to help them get to that point. Obviously, I'm not the only reason why <laughs> they, they succeeded. They did this because, hopefully, because of their, you know, their own uh, ingenuity, their own knowledge, their own drive and aspirations, right? But, uh, you know, I feel like personal, uh, you know, preservation can really get in the way of a lot of people growing. Uh, and so, you know, when I first heard that, I'll, you know, I'll never forget when somebody first said that to me, you know, of like, if you succeed and go past, you know, and, and, and grow past my position, then, then damn it, I know I did, I, I know I did my job right. You know, it's just like, wow, that's, that's, you know, that's a great thing to hear, you know, and it's, it's very like, it, it makes you feel good. And some of you may have had leadership tell you this. Some of you may have had a, a director or manager or somebody tell you this and it, and it feels good. You know, because you feel like, wow, okay, so I can look beyond just, you know, your position. I can look at really reaching for my ultimate goal, my real aspiration, if it is something beyond that. And again, for some of us, you know, a lot of us, we all have different goals and aspirations. I've met so many designers that they just love creating, and that's what they want to do. They want to reach that senior level of design, but they don't really want to lead a team. They don't want to deal with the people that, to that extent, right? You still have to deal with people, but not to that extent of managing people. Um, and it's not just managing people, but it's guiding people and helping people grow and helping, you know, helping inspire people. Like that, to me, is something I feel like that you're not just managing, you're, you're, you're helping people grow, you're helping, helping people aspire. And so some people, though, are satisfied with just being creators, and damn it, they're good at it, too. And, and they're gonna, there's still so much growth for them there too. And so that I don't, I don't think is a bad thing at all. But again, for us that wanna grow, you know, to hear somebody say, you know, if you have my job someday, then I know I did my job right, you know, and, and either they are, you know, moving up or they, they, you know, you end up becoming peers and you work side by side or they end up, you know, continuing to grow and you just kind of keep following in their footsteps and then maybe one day surpass them. Um, but to hear that, you know, if you surpass me, then, then I did my job right. That's the, like the most amazing thing to hear because you feel like you have a future where you're at. No matter what is going on where you're at, where you're working, if you have a, a leader who says that, 
and, and, and really genuinely means it and lives by it, um, then there's really, the sky's the limit. You know, you just, you feel so empowered, I guess, you know. And on the, on the flip side of that too, you know, the, the other aspect of that is not even just, you know, uh, uh, kind of growing beyond, you know, your own leader or something, or surpassing your leader, which is not, let's be honest, that is, that is kind of a rare thing to have happen, I think. Um, but, um, and whether it's at that same company or a different company too, that's the other aspect of it. It's not just at that same company, but just, you know, it's at this company or at another company or at, you know, wherever it may be. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of that before. And, and sometimes I've heard that too, like after, you know, I, you know, maybe leave a place, you know, they, they say, you know, if, if you keep going, you keep going, you're going to do great things, you know, and, and someday you're going to go far beyond even where I'm at, you know, and, and that makes you, it makes you feel really good to know that. Um, but it's also too, you know, they, they put, their your needs the team's needs before their own and i'll tell you what, i've had some really amazing you know leaders over over the past few years and and one of them in particular who helped me get into product design as a whole could have selfishly said you know nothing about this new position that was coming up um, in the company and kind of kept me on on their team but they didn't do that and uh you know, they, they, they relentlessly, you know, they, even though they knew this was gonna probably end up meaning me leaving their team, and it did mean that, uh, they still put that, the, the, the aspirations and the goals of their, of their team, of the people that they are in charge of, the people that they are responsible for, they put, that, they put our goals ahead of their own. And selflessly, you know, basically opened up this new opportunity that ended up allowing me to chase my dream, you know, and, and to switch my career in design. And, you know, if I had a, a boss that was, you know, selfish or self-centered or, you know, very, you know, wanted to preserve the team that they had, that never would have happened. But, you know, I, and, I, and even if it, it did come up and I had actually found that position before and had every intention of talking to this uh, particular manager about it. Um, but they actually beat me to it before I could talk to them. Uh, but if, if that, you know, even if I, I found that position, but I didn't feel like I would get the support to leave the team, to go to another team within the company, I wouldn't have been able to get into the position that I'm in. So you need to know as, as, a, as, a, you know, as an employee, as somebody that's on that team, you need to know that you have that support of your leadership. And so for me someday, it's like, I want, I want my team to know someday that, that they have my full support to pursue whatever path they want to. And I will do everything in my power, just like my leadership has done everything in their power in the past to help me, you know, grow and aspire and, and, and you know, and still be honest, not, you know, blow smoke up my ass and, you know, say everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows when there's really no potential opportunity at the time. Um, right. But, you know, but you know, be real, be honest, you know, don't don't just make them feel good, but be honest, um, but also know that you have that support. And so that's something that that's really stuck with me, you know, and that's something that I will I will, you know, aside from letting a, my team someday know that I do want them su to succeed. And even if that means, you know, you know, surpassing me, um, you know, I want that to happen. And. I also want them to know that they have my support to chase whatever dreams, whatever aspirations, whatever goals they have, because it really means a lot. And it's that final like boost of confidence that you really need, especially if you want to do something scary, like completely change your career <laughs> and go away from 10 years of marketing into, uh, you know, <laughs> into product design, which you've 
dreamed of for years but never had the balls to actually go ahead and do it you know but it helps to have the leadership that supports you to do that um, so that that's something that's really stuck with me you know if, if the team surpasses me I've succeeded you know if the team aspires to to grow into a certain area of design or maybe it's outside of design and I you know they, they you know I help them get to that point in any way shape or form whether it just be support or it's actually finding that opportunity for them like that's something that I want them to know. I want them to feel that support. And, and it's helped me over the years. And I, it's probably helped a lot of you if you've been in that situation too, of just knowing that you don't have to be scared to chase after those dreams and aspirations because you have somebody that supports you no matter what. The other thing that I've learned over the years is I've always felt the best support, and it's not just me feeling it, but I've, it's the rest of the team has always felt the best support when leadership is present. And I, I tell you, some of the, the best learning opportunities and the best uh, times that I remember growing as a designer and seeing a, a team just be endlessly inspired was when you had a leader that was always present. Uh, not micromanaging, there is a fine line, and, and I feel like that's something that I definitely will be very aware of. I've never really had to deal with any micromanagers, though, to be honest. <laughs> um, I've been very, very fortunate in that sense, uh, but I know people who have, and I know how like terrible it can feel. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, I feel as though, you know, being present and being there and at least you know having that face time it's it's that that face time with your team with the people that directly report to you is so unbelievably critical and nothing will bring a team together more than you actually being present and being there not so that you can manage but so that you can inspire really it's, it's more or less what it is it's it's that inspiration it's that that kind of knowing that you know your leadership is always there for you and you could just turn around and ask them you know or or you know walk over and and, and they're there they're you know they're at they're at their desk you know and they they carve out that time and i know this is something that is really really hard and i don't know really how to address this but i i will always aspire i think to always make sure i carve out time to be at my desk to be there with the team or if my desk is separated from the team which i honestly feel like i wouldn't necessarily want that like like separated meaning like on the other side of the building you know um <laughs> but uh you know being there for like knowing having that team know that like oh you're right there you're, you're just right over there you know if they need you um it, it helps and you're always there at you know a, for a certain amount of time per day right now i block out my calendar for an hour and a half at a minimum every day and I don't let anybody book over that time uh, unless I have unless I can move it to another time of the day. Um, but it's it's my I, I've talked about this before. This is my like like laser focus time, you know. And I feel like as a leader, I would grow, and that would be not just my laser focus time, but also my be there for the team time. If I end up getting sucked into endless meetings, because I've seen that I've seen that so many times where like leadership is just they're pulled in even more directions than than we imagine, and they end up being double, triple booked in meetings and they're just in meetings all day and, and nobody ever sees them. And, and it's not that they can help it either, right? But maybe they can, you know? And I feel like I would 
I, I don't know, I probably would end up losing my job, I'm sure, if I did this, but damn it, I would try it, where I would block out time and be like, sorry, I'm blocked out that time, that's my time to be at my desk, to also you know, catch up on things myself, but to be there for my team uh, and to hang out with my team, you know, or spending time, you know, maybe once a week or every other week, you know, to actually have lunch with your team, uh, you know, if, if that's something that doesn't happen. Like, I've, I've been there when, you know, I, I've been on teams where, where we were such a close, like, family uh, that we would often eat lunch together every day in the office. We would, we would actually meet at a table and we would eat lunch at the table um, every day just because we just enjoyed being with each other. And sometimes we, that was the only time we could see each other, too. Uh, and that was the time when, you know, some of my leadership would, would be able to come in and, and actually sit down and chit chat and not even talk about work, just talk about anything, anything we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, and, and usually work would come up because uh, that was the time we'd have with them. But, you know, to me, I felt like that's that's something valuable to have that face to face time. And I would always I feel like you, you should always make time for your team and for that face to face time. Now, if you're remote, I don't know how that works, and I'm a little old school on this, and I would love for any of you out there who are remote, and especially remote leaders, what, how do you spend that time with your team? How do you get that face-to-face -face time? It's going to have to be virtual, right? Um, so how do you do it, you know, and how do you get that same feeling? Can you get that same feeling of, of being, uh, you know, there and, and, and present for your team when you're maybe, you know, hundreds of miles or thousands of miles away. Um, to me, I feel like you should always be there for your team, at least based, you know, where your team is, even if you do travel a lot, you know, you sh your home base should always be where your team is. Um, sometimes we can't avoid the traveling, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, even actually, even some of us who aren't leaders can't avoid the traveling. I've been in, in that situation too, although traveling is fun. So yeah, anyway, I like the traveling. Uh, but you know, it's but it, you, you remove that FaceTime, right? Uh, if you're always away. So, but how do you if you're if you actually do work remotely from your team and you're leading a team? Or I know some companies that are 100% remote. You know, how do you how do you do that? You know, is it the daily video chat check-ins that happen? Do you do a lot more video calls? Does that help with FaceTime? Do you do video lunches? You know, like maybe that's something that you can do. Um, how does that work? How do you get that that one-on-one -on -one time with your team? Um, and, it, you know, because that's something that I, I, I don't think I would at this point in time work somewhere that is 100% remote or I would ever be a, a, a leader, manager, director for a remote team um, because I just don't think, you know, not 100% remote, I should say, um, because, you know, I just feel like that you would, you would have to be there. You'd have to have that time because because that that trickles into a lot of other things that I'm about to go into <laughs> and the first thing is selling and inspiring uh, your team on on ideas and direction and you know I've I've, I've been with uh, leadership that that has created that trust with their team to where they can say this is the direction we're gonna go in and a lot of the team they think about it but they're like, I know this person has like the right intentions and I know that they're the ones driving this and that they fought for the right direction before they brought it to us. So, all right, we're gonna go with this, but I still have a lot of questions to ask and I'm gonna ask them and they're receptive to that question. So I feel like as a leader, I would always make sure that I would be receptive, right? But I feel like we have, like I say we, like I'm already in this, I'm not in this position, but I feel like as a leader, you, you have like a responsibility to really sell the direction to your team. And it's not just selling, but it's also inspiring. But you also have to, you have to 
a lot of times, especially in product d design and even in marketing too, um, I, actually really in marketing too, you've got to sell the fact that there is an opportunity at this certain point. And this is why we're going to go to this because look, we have the data, we have research already, or we think that there's, there's you know, an opportunity here. Our step now is to do the research and to figure out if that is the right direction to go. Uh, not just say this is what we're doing and we're going to do it because somebody said. Um, people that know me know I have a big, big problem with that when somebody's like, oh, you know, somebody in a higher pay grade said that, you know, we're, we're going in this direction, so that's what we're doing. And it's like, oh, hell no. Like, you know, wait a minute. Do they have research? Are we doing the research on this, you know, on the market, on, on the people, on, on the opportunity? Um, you know, is there a signed agreement with some, somebody? Is there this lump? Like, so many questions run through my mind. And so I feel like if I'm ever in that position, like, before I would even bring anything to my team, I would, um, would want to make sure that either we have the research and we have the data to go in this direction, whether it be a new initiative or a pivot to a different initiative or, a, you know, something that's that's growing into, into something different. Um, you know, I've, in years past, I've, I've, I've been in both sides of the thing, where, uh, uh, both sides of, of the coin here, where, you know, we we had the, the, the clear information of why we're going in this direction, and then we had no, no information other than somebody said we're going in that direction. And, and both ways have been, you know, sometimes have worked, right? Because we end up doing the research if they don't have a reason why um, and, and they're receptive to pivoting into a different direction once we do our research and find out, actually, this isn't a good opportunity, but this is, and it's kind of similar, or this isn't really a good opportunity at all, um, so let's keep keep on track with what we have. Um, so there's, there's all sorts of like things, that, and, and I've experienced this so many times over the years. I've really experienced it a lot in the marketing world because in the marketing world, we have a lot of that big data. You know, We have a lot of, of data that we can get on consumers. And you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of like, we know this is gonna be a big opportunity. Um, and, and that's why we're gonna go for that. Uh, or we're gonna test and see if this is an opportunity. And if it is, then, we're going to blow it out in the next step, you know, and in the next phase, you know. So I've seen that happen too. Um, again, I've seen it personally happen a lot in the marketing world, um, but it can happen in the product world too, I guess, you know. So, you know, it's just to me, as a leader, I would always make sure that like, I'm, I'm not just inspiring the team and like, I don't want to lead them to, to false hope. I want them to know that there's actual research and there's actual data behind why we're targeting this or there's need in the market for why we're doing this um, and if hopefully I would hope that that the team that I, I I'm, I'm leading someday naturally ask those questions <laughs> and that would be my goal is like they should poke and prod you know I feel like that's as a leader you should the whole point of having a team is so that you have this this fleet of experts and, and they're the ones that are gonna help push you to continue to, to poke and prod and ask these hard questions and find out, you know, ask things that you may not have thought of before so that you can, you know, if you don't have the answer and you, you shouldn't always have the answer, either the team can figure that out and you guys can do that together or you can go back to, you know, the higher ups and, and you know, they might have the research behind it or they might say, okay, well, we need to figure out if we can, you know, figure out the research and, and, and those numbers and if it's right, okay, you know, here, here's some money to go do that, you know. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, selling to the team and then taking that back and sometimes selling it, I guess, to, to your leadership. Um, but, 
you know, I guess the higher up you get if you're, if you're leading the entire company, even if you're leading the entire company, you should be looking at your, you know, your team to be the one to help guide it, you. You know, you shouldn't be steering the ship all by yourself. Um, you know, you have a whole crew that helps you do this. Uh, and so that's, that's just something that, you know, I feel like I would, I would always try to make sure that the, the team that I'm on is always inspired to do, and not just inspired, but they're sold on this idea too. And they see the opportunity and they see the potential because uh, it's not just, you know, making the world a better place, um, to quote Silicon Valley, the show, <laughs> to make the world a better place. Uh, but it's also to uh, make money so that you can continue to strive as a business and continue to innovate and grow and solve problems for people. Um, so, you know, that's, that's ultimately the, you know, we have to make money in this. People don't, people often forget that. <laughs> um, but that's just something else, though, to me. You know, it's I, I would always I would always want to want to be able to sell and inspire the team that that I someday hope to lead on these ideas. And if I can't do it, like then I feel like that should be a check for me to go back to my leadership then and be like, wait a minute, I have way more questions, you know. And and I'm not that person again. I I'm, I'm that rare person, I guess, that will take a stand for quite a long time, where you know, just because you sign a paycheck doesn't mean I'm gonna do something, you know, I, I need to know why we're doing it. I, you know, we, we need to have that purpose and I need to know that this is going to sustain this business too. And that, you know, I, I, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I, I want to know that we can continue to grow. Um, and uh, marketing does a really good job at that because a lot of times we can, we can do it. But sometimes the, the marketing teams will not get that, that data. They won't get that, that, you know, research of like, this is why we are going in this direction. You know, they, they don't have any research. Um, and sometimes you just have to buy it or you have to do it yourself. Um, and a lot of times it's just kind of some poking and prodding too of, of the market and figuring out where the biggest opportunity is. Um, and it help, it's hard too. I get it that it's hard because like there is so much opportunity nowadays and so many different, everything changes so fast too, no matter what industry you're in really, well, most industries. Uh, everything changes so fast. And if it hasn't yet, it's probably going to at some point in time. Uh, so you just got to make sure it's the right decision. And then as a leader, sell that idea and, and help it grow and, and create that excitement around it, right? Like that's part of the job of a leader, I feel like. Now, so far, a lot of these, these things could all apply to pretty much any profession, I guess, now that I think about it. This one in particular, though, I've, 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 uh, I've experienced like the good and the bad of this over the years. And it's more focused on designers in the design you know, industry. Um, but uh, make sure that the team has the tools they need to do their job. And I, I'll never forget, uh, you know, one of my first design jobs, uh, I had to work on a PC environment. And oh my God, at first I was like, well, I can give it a shot. You know, I had worked pretty evenly and have worked pretty evenly on Macs and PCs over the years. And as a visual designer, I was like, oh, it shouldn't be a problem. And, uh, you know, had this, you know, souped up desktop computer and eventually this, that kind of got a little old and, and they changed us to uh, laptops, these souped up laptops. But these laptops uh, were basically the ThinkPads. And you probably know where this is going, but on paper, these laptops, they seemed fantastic. They were amazing. And, you know, you're looking at the specs and you're like, holy crap, this thing's going to be a powerhouse. I'm going to be able to, you know, design 
as fast as possible for a very long time. It's going to take a long time for this thing to slow down. Um, but then uh, the reality was that uh, between all the security software and the network problems and the fact that it was a PC and for some reason, and I still hold true to this to this day, PCs do not play well with Adobe software. They just don't. Uh, and Adobe software is a tool that a lot of designers, especially visual designers, rely on to do their job. Um, it just doesn't play well. And so within just a few short months, uh, it became an absolute total nightmare using that machine. And uh, I pushed and pushed and pushed. I remember, you know, I remember leadership. We were, they were, we were all trying so hard to push to get Macs or to just get something better, something that wasn't this ThinkPad thing. And it never happened. And I'll be honest, there were a few times like I actually considered leaving just because of the fact that I wasn't getting the tools to do my job because it actually started to affect me as a designer where I couldn't meet my deadlines or I was losing work all the time because no matter how much I was saving it, I'd always lose a few steps because it would crash or it would freeze or the file would get corrupted and then I was screwed and I didn't have any backup or anything and I couldn't use a cloud backup because the cloud was evil and it was, you know, it was blocked, you know, and things like that. So. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, I, I know my leadership did everything in their power, um, but I, I, I will be that, that leader someday that absolutely raises complete and total hell until the team gets the tools that they absolutely need to do their job efficiently. And, you know, or at least it, it, they're, you know, the, the tools are, are are on their way, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just, it's, I, I'll never forget that experience because because of working at a place like that, that, that forced me to work on these ancient machines that even though they were new, they were ancient technology and they didn't play well and they never, the company itself never listened to the fact that we needed these tools. I think they may have eventually gotten Macs, um, but it took so many years. I mean, we're talking years and years, like, you know, there was a lot of turnover since then. Um, but because of that, I will never work in an environment that only works on PCs. And I know a lot of designers are the same way, you know, whether you're a visual designer, a graphic designer, or you're a, a product designer as well. Uh, you will not work on an environment, you will not take a job if they say, oh, we're on a PC environment. I, I've seen that happen so many times. I'll never forget one of the, my, uh, another leader I had, another, you know, uh, manager I had was, you know, was like, I, I don't think I would ever switch the, the team to, a PC environment because that would jeopardize our chances of hiring in the future too. Even if the team was on board with maybe switching to a PC environment, which we almost were, it was like, well, how would that affect our chances of hiring? And, and we're okay with testing this out, but if we need to add people to the team and we will, that, that's going to that's gonna be a red flag that's going to turn away a lot of good talent. And it sounds crazy, but the reality is, and I think a lot of people forget this, uh, especially as you grow into that leadership role and you're maybe not doing as much hands-on work, but these machines, they are tools for us to do our job. And that's all it is. It's not, a, a, yes, some of us love our Macs, right? We just think they're aesthetically pleasing. I actually think Macs are super boring now. Um, I'd much rather have a Surface computer, but I don't want to go on a PC um, because I know a Mac as boring as it is nowadays and as frustrating as the keyboard is, but that's okay, I, can, I usually have an external keyboard anyway. Um, 
and it's not, it's not that bad. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I know that the Mac is going to play well with the software I need, and it's going to run for years and years and years with minimal or if not any problems either. Uh, you know, it won't run with any problems at all sometimes. Um, I, I know I'm going to be able to do my job, and I'm not going to have to worry if I come in on Monday, is this thing going to start up? You know, it's, it's going to. Why? Because it's a Mac, and they just, they just freaking work, right? And they work well with the software I need. Plus, a lot of product design software now, like Sketch, I think is still only on a Mac. Figma, I think, is only on a Mac, um, which is also ridiculous, though, because developers aren't on Macs, and that's understandable. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's a whole different, that could be a whole different podcast episode there. Anyway, as a leader, though, you know, the one thing I've, I've learned over the years is I will continue to, I, I will basically make life a living hell for the people that need to approve for my team to get the tools they need to get. Because, like, I, they have to do it. They have to do it. And I know how frustrating and how hard it is for somebody to work on a machine that is just complete and total shit. And it's not, it's not the fact that it's a PC, it's the fact that it doesn't allow them to do their job. And a Mac will eventually get to that point too, where it ages to the point where they just can't do their job. I've been fortunate enough where like, you know, I, I, where I'm at now, like it got to the point where I had a really, really, really old Mac. And, you know, I, I finally said to my leadership at the time, I was like, look, I can't, this thing is just not gonna work anymore. And they got it approved almost instantly to get a new one. Um, they found the budget to do it. They, you know, they they knew they had to make I think they, they knew they had to make sacrifices somewhere else. But like they did it. Whereas you know, in previous places I've worked at, you know, they they tried and tried and tried, but the powers to be that held the budget, you know, and that had the coin purse, just wouldn't do it. Or the t- you know the IT or tech team wouldn't do it. You know, they they were like, no, 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 it's a security threat. And and genuinely, it probably was a security threat in in their defense. But they never made an effort to actually try to fix that to actually find a way to work around that or to actually give the team the tools they needed to do their job. Um, because it was frustrating. It was frustrating to know when you were meeting, trying to meet a deadline or you were in a presentation with somebody with you know, an internal client or showing off something to an entire team uh, or an entire branch of management um, and the computer crashes you know, because it's a piece of junk and you know, it can't handle your Adobe software and that Adobe software has put so much strain on that machine. Um, you know, a lot of leadership doesn't understand that. And I think somebody who's a designer and been a designer for many years and grows into that design leadership role will always understand it. Um, but I, I personally will never forget the struggle and I'll be damned if I'm gonna, you know, have somebody on my team work with a, a, a tool that they can't use for more than like a, a month or two, you know? <laughs> um, you know, like I will make sure that it, it gets to that, like that's just something that's always, always stuck with me and it's been something that I've been like, look, the technology matters. Yes, I'm a giant tech nerd and I, I care a lot about that stuff more than the normal person, but I also understand that it is a tool to do your job and you have to have great tools to do your job. It's like sending a construction team out there to build a skyscraper with the tools to build a house in the suburbs of Gilbert, Arizona. You know, it's like you can't use the same tools, you know, or to use old decrepit tools from the 1950s to build a high rise when there's better stuff out there, you know, um, and, and stuff that you need to build these new retrofitted buildings. Um, I'm assuming there's new tools. Um, if any construction workers are listening, you might be thinking I'm crazy, but I have a lot of family in construction too, so it's kind of I'm kind of pulling from a little bit of that knowledge. But I hope that analogy worked. Uh, but anyway, it's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. And usually, you can see through people who are just like diehard Mac fans. 
uh, and people who are diehard PC fans. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I get it, you like your PCs, or oh yeah, I get it, you like your Apple devices. Okay, yes, you're a fanboy, you're a fangirl, whatever. Okay, but here's the reality of the situation when it comes to the tools that we need. You don't need a new MacBook every other year or every year, or even every three or four years, to be honest. Those suckers can last five, six, seven years. Um, you know, I mean, they're pretty, pretty long-lasting devices, you know, or oh, you like PCs, but what is the rest of the team like, you know, and, and what does the industry use? And I think that's the biggest thing is what does the industry use? Um, for me, I would always go by what the industry uses. And the industry, when it comes to design, visual or product, it's Macs, you know, but that also still goes back to the fact too that developers do not use Macs and I would never want to force a developer to use a Mac. Uh, just because I know it depends on the, I guess, the, the system that they have. And in, in, oh, that's a whole separate thing. I'm not going to get into that. Um, also, I don't think that as a design leader, I would normally manage or lead developers. Um, but if I did, I'd make sure that I would make sure, too, that, you know, as designers, we're working on tools that developers can also, like, access. <laughs> like, that's what's great about Adobe XD. That's why I love XD so much is because it works on Macs and PCs, you know, so anybody can access those files. Uh, it's not some elitist program that only focuses on Macs. Um, so anyway, yeah, the tools matter. And, and that's something, as a leader someday, I, I feel like that that's a lesson that I will, it will always stick with me. Be, and it's more or less just from my own personal you know, pain and experience over the years, um, even with supportive leadership. You know, they did everything in their power and, and it helped. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of where, where I'm at with that. Um, the tools, the tools matter. Now, oh, oh, there's one more thing. I almost forgot. I was about to end this episode, but there's one more thing I was going to, I can't believe I almost forgot this. The other thing that I, I've learned over the years and that I will absolutely hold on to, I think as a, as a, a design leader someday is uh, surrounding yourself by people smarter than you. <laughs> I, I think this may have been something that Steve Jobs said, uh, but I, I remember when it stuck with me, um, uh, he may not have said it, it may have just been something that somebody said he said, but he didn't say. But anyway, where I remember hearing it from it was actually from a C-suite level, like the executive leadership uh, at a company I was with, uh, where they, you know, they said, you know, I, the goal is to, you know, you know, I don't have all the answers and I never will. And my goal is to surround myself by people who are smarter than me and let them entrust them and guide them into the direction we need to go, but trust them in what they're doing um, and let them be the experts in their fields. Because the reality is, especially in design, we can't be the experts in everything. You know, if you try to be a jack of all trades, master of none, basically, then you're going to be that. If you try to be a jack of all trades, master of maybe one thing, I like the jack of all trades, master of one, that's different. But that means there's all these other things that you need to lean on or rely on other people. And as a leader, you have a lot, I feel like, and again, I don't know the day-to-day -day of, a, of a, 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 you know, a manager, director, or executive, you know, but you, managing people, or, or, or not just managing, but like, you know, guiding people and inspiring them and leading a team, it takes a lot of time. So you don't always have a lot of time to learn all the new facets and, and things of the design world. And that's where I think a lot of times, you know, you should be surrounding yourself by people that are smarter than you and will continue to grow and be smarter than you in these areas. 
Uh, so, you know, if you have a researcher, they are going to be much better at research than you. If you have a designer, they're going to be much better at design than you. If you have a, a writer, they're going to be way bright, better than a writer of a writer than you. Um, and they always will be. Your developers should always be better at development than you if you're a leader. Uh, whether you're leading a development team or a design team or whatever, or whole, you know, development and design. I don't know if that's normal, actually, for, I guess, well, that's more of a product manager, but you're not really... Uh, direct report, but anyway, uh, or they're not direct reports of you usually. But anyway, um, so back to my point though is, you know, when, when I heard this from this executive uh, leader uh, of this company I was with, I it just, I, I started to think about it and I started to look at the people that they hired and not just the people that they directly hired, but the people below them that hired and all the people in the company. And it really was surrounding yourself by people that are smarter than you and hiring people that are smarter than you because that's the only way that the company is going to succeed. That's the only way your products are going to succeed. Your marketing campaigns are going to succeed. This is the only way the place is going to grow. You can't be the expert in everything and know everything and be the best at everything. Um, that's super uh, cocky and, and arrogant, in my opinion. And so, you know, to me, it's like that's I, I've seen that. And I, I, to be honest, like I feel like all the, all the leadership I've had has kind of subconsciously lived by that. Um, they've embraced people knowing things more than them, um, and and that's great, um, you know. And usually, as a leader, you have a lot of experience under your belt, so you do ha know a thing or two about a thing or two, right? Um, so you can bring a lot to the table, and 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 you know, there is a lot of it's more guidance and steering. I feel like, but you're not saying like I'm the expert in this, um, and so that's something that like for me, I will always take with me is like I will always, as I you know, hopefully someday grow my own team. Uh, you know, I, I want us to be the experts and I want everybody on this team to be smarter at what they do than I am, you know, smarter, smarter than me at what they do, um, because that's the way it should be, you know, and, you know, it's, it's, and then, and then you trust that and you embrace it and, and, and then you fight for it. If, you know, if your leadership above that, you know, like, you know, pushes back, you should be able to know why, you know, somebody did something in a design or why the voice and tone is a certain way or, you know, why the research, you know, you know, you should know that research that the researcher got, you know, and then be able to, to bring that to the table and, and fight for what you and the team have created um, and, and, you know, say, no, this is the right direction to go or know when is the right time to say, ooh, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and think about this again and then come back to the team and say, here's why we're doing this again, you know, or, you know, and, and then usually they have the knowledge to say, oh, well, but, you know, here's this, or maybe this is why we did it, or X, Y, Z reason, you know, or, you know, here's this alternative that they can think of right away that you may not have thought of. Um, so to me, it's like, you know, it's, it's not that, like, you're just supposed to sit there like a bump on the log or you're not supposed to bring anything valuable to the team because you should, you have a, you, sh you, know, you should be bringing a lot, but, you know, it's, it's, to me, that, that always stuck with me of, you know, surround yourself by people that are smarter than you. Um, and also, it's kind of a, a selfish way to look at it here is it helps you grow, <laughs> you know, because you will continue to grow and have more knowledge about things as you learn from your own team. And God, I've seen that. I've seen that too, where, uh, you know, leadership that's outside of a team has learned from a team you know like it's it's like it's it's the person above you know m you know my leadership that that took this knowledge and they continue to learn and then all of a sudden next thing you know they're like spouting out all these you know fantastic uh you know 
ideas and and this you know and they're and they're defending the direction that we're going as a team or questioning things and poking and prodding in the right places all of a sudden at these ideas because they know like they learn from the team uh, and and they, they they held on to that knowledge uh, and then they reminded sometimes the team you know because a lot of times we'll forget about stuff you know or we won't think of things and be like well what about this because you brought this up the other time oh yeah you know uh, so there's just there's so many different things to learn, but it, surrounding yourself by people smarter than you, it is critically important. It's something I will definitely hold on to. And I also think that goes into, you know, that plays into the fact to back at the beginning of this episode where, you know, help your team surpass you someday, help your team succeed and grow professionally. Um, and, and that means, you know, embracing the fact that they're smarter than you and hopefully that, you know, they, they know more than you in certain areas um, and, and, and in their respected area, right? Uh, and and that's, that's the important thing, you know, and then you can help them grow into that um, or take that knowledge they know and maybe get into your position someday as you continue to grow. Because, uh, you know, once you become, uh, you know, a leader of a team, you can continue to grow. There's more, there's more opportunity to grow. We all, we all have those goals and aspirations, right? Um, it doesn't really have to stop at a certain point, um, I guess, unless you're leading the entire company. Um, but even at that, like, God, I feel like there's still so much opportunity to grow. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, that's, that's all I got. Those, those are some lessons. Those are some things that I've, I've learned and that I picked up on from some of the great leaders I've had over the years. And, you know, and, and I continue to learn and grow. And, and it's not just from the good, but it's also from the bad. But I didn't want to focus on the bad, really, other than the fact that, you know, if you have bad tools, that was, that, obviously, that was a moment that scarred me. <laughs> um, those years, I will never forget. Uh, but, you know, I respected the fact that my leadership fought to always try to get the best. You know, they, they did try their absolute best, and I knew they were doing their best. Um, and, uh, and, and it matters. It really does matter. Uh, it's that care. It's that empathy. Uh, it's it's interesting, but yeah. So you know, I, I I know a lot of us we aspire to get to that point someday. I aspire to get to that point someday of leading a design team. So it's you know you, you have a lot to to learn, but it doesn't mean that you can't learn up until right before you become a leader. No, you should be picking up on that now. You know, and and you should be, you know, even if you don't really, I feel like if you don't aspire to be a a, a design leader someday and lead a team someday, it's still like worthwhile to know these things because then when you're picking the team to work on. You can look for these qualities in a leader that you will report to someday um, and you know be like this is what I these are the standards that I hold for for my own leadership to have um, so it can help you in any, either way but uh, back to the whole point of the, in the beginning of this episode too where I was saying I want to know from all of you like these are just my like quick leadership lessons um, I'll probably do a follow-up episode probably years down the road um, and yes, I plan on doing this podcast for years. So um, as long as I'm enjoying it, I'm going to be doing it and I'm not getting sick of it yet. So, uh, you know, I, I, I want to continue to, to kind of follow up on this, but I really want to hear from all of you. And Anchor, the platform I record this podcast on, has a great free voice message uh, feature. So if you go to anchor.fm slash Joshua Reach or A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash Joshua Reach, uh, that's R-E-A-C-H, um, you will be able to uh, leave a, a voice message. I don't even think, I don't think you actually even have to create an Anchor account uh, to leave a voice message. I think you can actually leave it like without that. 
Um, but, but leave a voice message, and, and the voice message is a recording that I'll get, and then I will, uh, if, you know, if we get enough of them, I'll compile an episode and do a bonus episode that follows up with this of like more leadership advice from other people. And you don't have to be a leader to have leadership advice. It's stuff that maybe like, you, like I've been doing, where I've been holding on to it and keeping it as my kind of like, you know, my, my little personal Bible of, of leadership, you know, rules and, and things that I'm going to continue and I will use someday. Um, but if you are a design leader out there, or you, even if you're not in design, but just leadership in general, these are things that really can cross many different types of, uh, of, of careers and, and, and opportunities and, and uh, kind of specialties. So what have you, what have you learned? What, are, what is some advice that, that you have? Um, is anything that I said too crazy? Do you think that anything is, is completely off and completely wrong? Uh, I'm always open to that. I actually love hearing that. I've loved when, when you guys have actually come back and said, well, actually, I disagree. I think this. It, it helps. Um, it really does. It opens up all of our eyes, especially mine. Uh, so anyway, uh, leave a voice message or just send a tweet. Uh, leave a LinkedIn message. You know, Message me on LinkedIn. Message me on Instagram. You know how to find me. A lot of you do. Uh, look for look for Joshua Reach online. You'll find me. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, I will end with uh, always you know leave a nice little rating review if you're uh, enjoying this podcast and enjoyed this episode. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. I love getting those ratings and reviews because it helps it kind of bubble up so that more people can enjoy this episode. It's not just to stroke my ego and get that. Uh, dopamine effect, but it's also to uh, it's also to uh, bubble up the podcast uh, if if you feel like this is something that other people need to hear too. Uh, other than that, that's all I got, and I will uh, talk to you or chat with you all not next week, but the week after. Because remember, I'm doing this every other week now, uh, so that there's more meaningful content. I'm able to think through this a little bit more. I'm not running out of ideas. Um, also, I can have time to actually do more guest episodes. Uh, So anyway, uh, yes, uh, I will chat with you all the week after next. Thank you for listening.